Hello and welcome to Pop DNA, the podcast that explores the historical and literary roots of your favorite works of pop culture. I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And I just found out that my soulmate <gasps> is Anakin Skywalker. And my please, name's Finn. Please help me. Somewhat. But she's Leia, though. That's your Leia Organa, right? She's Anakin's daughter. Mm. Well, that's a great start to this episode. Hi, hey, everyone. So this is Star Wars Revisited. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if you're a longtime listener of Pop DNA, or even if you've just happened to look at the titles of our episodes, uh-huh. then you may know we we already did an episode we on did. Star Wars. We did. Um, Actually, like, almost exactly one year ago. Yeah. So, um... But we found we had a lot more yeah, that we wanted to explore. We There was a lot that we didn't talk yeah. about. Um, you know, this is such a huge universe. Yeah. And, and also, since we have just... Aaron has, like, literally just, just the seen mm-hmm. the conclusion of the saga. So we thought this would be a great time to revisit. Yeah our Star Wars discussion. So, And when yeah. we originally did it, it was also, our podcast was very much in its infancy. Yes, it was. We were figuring out that what was we our, were like, doing. Like our third episode. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was um, worthy of a revisit. So we have a great conversation with the podcast um, Girls with Sabres mm. about some Star Wars-y topics um, that we were going to include as part of this episode. Um it, this got pretty it got long. Really long. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And we wanted to um, give our chat with Girls with Sabres the focus it deserves. Um, so we're yeah. releasing that as a bonus episode. And that'll be available um, sometime in the near future. Yes. Um, so we'll watch it'll, on our Instagram. Be, yeah. We'll, we'll let you know when that's available. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, if you're in the future... It might, it might already be available. Might already, I don't know. You might have just listened to <laughs> yeah. it. You might be listening to it at the same time as yeah, this. Which might be confusing, like sensory overload. Yeah. But, you know. But yeah. You do you, honey. Anyway. So, yeah. Um, So, yeah. So, since we are, this is the first time we've revisited yeah. something we've talked about mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. So, I think, like, we're not going to, like, rehash everything in detail because you can... Go you can listen just go. to that episode. Yeah. The sound quality, ha- our sound quality has improved so much. Since yeah. Then. Um, but I mean, I think it, the content is good. I do but, too. But we will be expanding on some of the topics that we talked about. So we could just do like a quick recap of what we talked about. Sure. I think that might be helpful. Um, so I talked about, of course, uh, the Hidden Fortress, the Akira Kurosawa film uh-huh, that uh-huh. George Lucas was very inspired by Yeah, when he wrote A New Hope. And actually, um, there's a podcast called What the Force that is a, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a funny. Star Wars podcast hosted by a woman. Yeah. Hashtag Lady Pod Squad. Um, and she did a whole... A real- I lo- I'm going to follow that Lady hashtag. Pod Squad. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Um, so she did a whole um, episode on the Hidden Fortress and Star Wars. Cool. And yeah. It's really cool. And then I also talked about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and looked at how clearly we can see 
um, Luke's journey in A New Hope and how that matches up with the hero's journey. And then we looked at Ray's story yeah. in The Force Awakens to see if that also matched yeah. the hero's journey. But it, it wasn't as clear. Sure. Yeah. So I will circle back to that this time. Um, yeah. And then Aaron, you talked about... I mostly talked about like the puppetry and the practical effects. And Rhonda and I were just watching part of The Mandalorian. And, you know, that is still what gets me the most excited, I think, is the puppetry and all of the mm-hmm. Jim Henson, um, everything that that adds to this world and kind of all the humor and the light moments that you get in Star Wars because of those puppetry moments. Um which obviously, if I were doing that part again, I would just talk about Baby Yoda oh, for a million course. years because those ears, <laughs> those Yoda, ears are baby, so freaking baby cute. Yoda. Yeah. Um, <sighs> and then we talked a little bit about Shakespeare. Yeah. We kind of, I think we kind of winged that because <laughs> yeah. we weren't sure what we wanted to, where we wanted to go with that. And that was kind of the beginnings of our more off the cuff discussions. That yeah, we've... which I think are really. Tend to, I mean, it's what I like the yeah, best about do. doing any of this. We we are so like clever and enjoyable to listen to, so. and we're also little weirdos <laughs> all at the same time. Yes. So it's good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we um, we of course are Shakespeare nerds, and we deeply, <laughs> deeply on our Patreon, uh-huh. you will find... What will I find there if I were to well, log in right now? Lots. Well, actually, we've done several yeah. dramatic readings of Shakespeare works, but for this episode specifically, we did a reading from Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, we did. That's really fun. Yeah. And that's on our Patreon. <laughs> Be- yeah. And we each got to play both Benedict and Beatrice. And I played Don Pedro for... She One did. Line. And I read a stage direction, <laughs> yeah. which was my best work I've ever done in it theater. It is. Mm-hmm. You should mm-hmm. put that mm-hmm. on your resume. I already did while and we then... were breaking. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, we also kind of uh, looked at the lasting influence of Star yeah. Wars in pop culture because, yeah. of course, it's been around for 42 years. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost 43 years. So yeah. yeah, it has had a lot a big influence on culture. So we absolutely. Yeah. It's in so many different like television shows and mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Um like yeah. Parks and Rec, which we are watching. I'm right watching now. right this very second. Oh, yeah. So um Rhonda, <laughs> what was your first like most significant experience with the wars? Yeah. The wars of the stars. The wars of the stars. So I think last episode I I told you about how I first saw A New Hope when I was three, and I I immediately saw Leia as the protagonist, which I am I I still live by that. Yeah, that Leia is Leia is the protagonist. I completely agree. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think uh, if we're talking about like my. uh, You know, like a really significant experience with Star Wars. Um. It's it's tough to choose one. Sure. I sure. think I'm going to go with um I'm going to get like super cheesy and romantic here. But my <laughs> my significant other oh. and I um it was very early in our relationship that The Force Awakens came out. Aww. And 
yeah. Star Wars was something that we bonded over like oh, very early I on. Love that. And so I feel like it's kind of always been like a part of our our bond. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so yeah, we've gone to see uh, we, uh, we went to see The Force Awakens like very it, very early in our relationship and then we've gone to see every other movie together and then The Rise of Skywalker we were visiting um his family in California over Christmas oh. and we took his niece and nephew to go see yeah so I just Gosh, feel like folks, it's, that's nice I know it's all cheesy that's and, just really really and, nice <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so I think that kind of overall is a very significant experience for me absolutely and I think that's yeah. what one of the main important things about Star Wars is that um it's kind of that so it's just very personal to a lot of people for a lot of really yeah. varied reasons it really is. and I, I love that um because there's kind of they do so much that there's kind of something for everyone in there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. What about you, Erin? What's a significant experience you've um, had? I think the most significant experience for me is I've always been a big Jim Henson person. And mm-hmm. then so that was my entry into the Star Wars um, universe. And um, I'm kind of newer to the game. I haven't really... Like, I've always... I've seen all of them. Um, but this podcast... So I guess maybe... The formation of our cute little podcast is mm-hmm. has turned into my most significant experience with Star Wars because I didn't really see them when I was younger. Um, yeah, so I think um, the third episode of our podcast and figuring out how to engage in this um, media with yeah. my close friend Rhonda. Aww. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Star yeah. Wars brings people together. It does. That's it's really Aww. true. Yeah. So and baby Yoda is <sighs> our master now. <laughs> so stinking cute. His little ears and his happy face. Oh. I'm, I'm on board. Okay. Yeah. So we <laughs> That's a fitting way to start this. Our, yes. Our next point of discussion. I think that uh-huh. it's I mean, this isn't what the bulk of this episode is going to be about. Sure. But I think it's worth, you know, discussing our thoughts on episode nine, since it is so fresh uh-huh. in our minds and in the minds of the world of right the universe. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you think? Yeah. Um. <laughs> That's my, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's hard it's yeah it's hard when a film has like a a film team has told itself that it has so much it has to cover when sure. they walk into a task maybe not for the joy of it but maybe for the we have to do this it felt like a yeah. task list a yes. little bit it was like they were checking off yeah more so that so it felt to me more like an opening shift at a job than like a work of love I think mm. and that it's kind of rough for me for an ending of a entire saga yeah um and like there were moments that were really wonderful mm-hmm. um and then there were a lot of moments that just kind of felt like fanfare and fan service yeah 
fan service just for the purpose of fan service, not to serve not the story to serve. or the character. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, yeah. What did, What were your opening remarks? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's the overview, I think, is that, yes, like there are moments that I absolutely loved. And then there were moments that I was baffled. <laughs> I'm like, this this was a choice that they made. <laughs> right. They they went there. And and yeah. this this is it now. Like this, this is, is Star Wars now. Like right. You know, right. And mm-hmm. like I and you know, like I you have to give credit. Like I'm sure it was very, you know, like there was so much pressure. For this uh, of course movie of course but I just think if they like JJ Abrams has said over and over in interviews like well this wasn't just the ending of this trilogy it was the ending of all nine movies and we had to wrap all of them up and I just think he gave himself too big of a task sure I don't think that we needed to wrap up all nine no. movies with this one movie no. Like, yes, there are characters and, you know, elements that have been woven throughout all nine movies, but it's not like they're, you know, it just, yeah, it was, they, it tried to do too much. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Like we were, we had a, we had a <laughs> we really had a long talk about, about it yesterday. It. Yeah. I think we got all our feelings out. Yeah. It, and that's why it's hard to talk about it now. <laughs> it felt to me, it felt like when you would be in college and you'd be taking a like survey of a history of an area and you'd only have eight, eight weeks to do it. Mm-hmm. And so your professor would give you like massive amounts of reading and there's just no way you can do all of that justice. Yeah. When, it didn't need to feel like the conclusion paragraph of a five paragraph essay. It -hmm. could have just told a story and then have that. Cause you know, if you think about it, like, Oh, if you're living your life, you don't get that conclusion. It Mm -hmm. just ends, you know, so doesn't make narrative sense. Yeah. So why should, (laughs) why should it have to? And I think coming from there as your starting off point for writing it, I think it, is shooting yourself in the foot. It really is. A little bit. Yeah. I, you know, I, um, I found this, this article, um, from Polygon that they interviewed Chris Terrio, who was JJ Abrams co-writer for this movie. And I, I kind of pulled out these quotes of his just as like kind of a, a thinking point or, di- or yeah. you know, discussion point. Totally. Um, just kind of like where his, where their, their focus was in writing this. Um, I love that because then it won't feel like we're just attacking. Like I want to yeah. understand. Like where I want to understand from. why they felt like they yeah. had to do more than I think they had to do. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So um, at one point he says. Um, The ending of a story depends on where you stop telling it, right? We have stopped telling the story at the place where we think that the Skywalker saga has finished its arc. Hmm. There are other directions in the galaxy that are exciting. And then he talks about the Mandalorian, which is fantastic. Um, 
I'm excited by whatever the next trilogies will be, but I did feel with this that we should spend our last two hours in something with these people that we've grown to know and love. I do think it's really emotional. I hope it's a fitting end that also feels inevitable. That interests me because of something we talked about yesterday about how it felt the relationships felt rushed. Yes. And we wished that they would have spent more yes. time there. So yes. it's interesting. Yeah. Like they're the things that they were trying to do. Yeah. So like I I think we mentioned this. I actually kind of liked the whole like almost Indiana Jones esque like article or, or artifact <laughs> sure, artifact sure. quest where they like they have to find the do- like okay, like yeah, I, I like that element of it. But they could have taken out like they could have taken out maybe like 30% of that. Uh-huh, of the, uh-huh. Cause there were like all these different steps that they had to follow to. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah. why are they making it about this? They're making the focus be on like that artifact and that, like yeah. those steps that they have to follow. But the focus should be on the characters and on their relationships and how mm-hmm. they're, how the characters develop through this journey, not like just seeing the plot. It's like, yeah, it's all plot and no story. Yeah. If that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. And I just felt like all of it was like that. It was rushed. Yeah. Because there was so much plot that didn't need to be in there. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting to hear because I certainly felt that way and I assumed that it was because I'm new to the fandom. And so here, okay. (laughs) Okay. Cause I, I was worried that, Oh, I was thinking, Oh, my read on this is so different because it all feels like a lot to me, Mm -hmm. you know, but okay. So, so good. That's kind of a feeling. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't know. I have a bunch of like anxiety about talking about Star Wars because I don't feel like it's a world that I inhabit, you know, so mm. I never want to sound like I'm like judging it or anything. I just don't know a lot. It's newer to me, mm. you know, so yeah. I just want to. Well, and also sure. like there are like factions of the Star Wars fandom that get very gatekeepy yeah. and very certainly. like certainly toxic even. Yeah. <laughs> and that bully cast members off of social media yikes yeah, yeah. can we all just stop yeah. doing that and, their job and apparently the the also like intimidate the writers of a movie into not writing the character into the movie oh good yeah 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 i mean i think that's what happened yeah and that's, that's why rose only had like two lines like two and, lines and the guy from the lord of the rings had like <laughs> So many lines. Why was he there? Why was Why he, was he uh, there? I'm sorry. I. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, the character of Rose was completely like she was on like the ending and then nothing mm-hmm. else really. Goodness. Yeah. Okay. Um, Can we stop talking about this now? Yeah. Let's talk about what we love about it. Okay. Um. So. Oh, I forgot that I put this in here. So, <laughs> um, this was something that I have like pretty recently discovered, actually. So, there's this uh, viewing order. Oh, for 
for it. Well, it's the original trilogy and two of the prequels. Okay. Um, that's really interesting, and it's called it's called Machete Order. Okay. And, but that's just because, like, I think the the guy who came up with this, um, like, he has a blog that's like something machete. Oh. Or something. So that's why he. No machete, machete, no machete juggling. Oh, I think that's what it is. Yeah, that's good life advice. You shouldn't yeah. <laughs> juggle a machete. So the um, the idea of um, like putting them in this order is that it um, it frames the story. So this is just for the original. I, th- I think I said it's just for the original trilogy and the prequels because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he came up with this before the sequel trilogy okay. started. Sure. Um, but the idea of it is to frame the overarching story around Luke's journey mm-hmm. and making it centered on that. Okay. Um, so it kind of treats the prequels or two of them as like an extended flashback oh. to, to like flesh out and enrich his okay. story as a protagonist so sure. so he says that you should watch and i think this is kind of like if um if you're if you have never seen star wars before yeah, yeah. but also just you know as a new way to to watch them interesting so he says you should watch a new hope and then empire strikes back okay and then go back and watch episode two attack of the clones and episode okay. three, Revenge of the Sith. Okay. And then watch Return of the Jedi. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So the way that he explains it is that, so like if you, because there's like a conundrum, like if you were going to watch them in chronological order, yeah. then of course you just watch all three prequels and then all three of the original. Sure. Sure. But that kind of ruins some twists. Okay. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if you watch them in release order, then you're like ending with Revenge of the Sith and kind of like on a tragic note. Yeah. So by putting it in this order, you watch A New Hope Mm -hmm. and The Empire Strikes Back, which according to this, what is this guy's name? I should know his name. Anyway, according to him, (laughs) like those are, you know, the two strongest movies. So you're starting out with those. Yeah. And then at the end of Empire Strikes Back is when you get that huge huge reveal uh-huh, uh-huh. when Darth Vader tells Luke yeah I'm your father sure um and then and like if you you know if you're coming into this new yeah then you're like oh is that is he really his father is he telling the mm-hmm. truth what what's mm-hmm. going on and so then you go back and watch um Anakin's story and then at and at the end of Revenge of the Sith, when Luke and Leia are born, you're like, oh, okay, he is his father. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then you go, and, and so in Revenge of the Sith, you see Anakin become Darth Vader. Okay. And then you go and watch Return of the Jedi, and you see Darth Vader's redemption. Interesting. So it makes a really interesting, okay. like, pattern, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't tried it in this order yet, but I think it's really interesting um sure i want to yeah i want to try that i really and then he says to not watch the phantom menace because it's not important to the story okay i've (laughs) i've heard that from other people as well um i really like i think it's really fascinating when someone takes an existing work and kind of switches it around in terms of viewing order or reading order and i Mm -hmm. think um 
there's a lot to be said for doing that work. So I'd love to like watch it in this order. That sounds interesting. Thanks. No machete juggling. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. So or, or it's, it's a man. Okay. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's something to try. Yeah. We'll post that in our, in our blog post. We'll post that, uh, a link to that and then the order. Yeah. That he says to watch them in. Maybe he's listening. Maybe. Hi. Hey. I'm sorry I don't know your name. But hey. <laughs> to do my research. <laughs> um, yeah. So like I said, the the whole point of watching in this order is to frame the overarching story around Luke's mm-hmm. hero's journey. Uh-huh. Um, is there another hero that <laughs> you might want to follow, Rhonda? There might be. Or mm. a heroine. <gasps> Ooh. So if you'll remember in our first Star Wars episode, uh-huh. I talked about the hero's journey. Yeah. And we broke down Luke's story and yeah. how it fits into the hero's journey. Sure. And then I started looking at Ray's story. Um but it wasn't fitting sure. so well. Yeah. Um, so I... I wonder why. I wonder why. So my original theory was that Ray's um, entire, like Ray's hero's journey or heroine's journey would unfold over the course of all three films. Fair. So, yeah. So my question is... Going into this, does the rise of Skywalker complete Ray's hero's journey hmm. or heroine's journey? So, <laughs> let's see. Should we look at it? Are you going to tell me? Um, yes. The okay. end. <laughs> By me, Leslie Nope. Um, <laughs> um, so, there's also something. Okay. So, there's also a little bit of a um mm, I don't know exactly what what am I it's been a long day so (laughs) you got this right so there's the hero's journey which I think that Ray's story does pretty closely overall fall into the hero's journey Uh but there's also the heroine's journey sure which is slightly different from the hero's journey so we can talk about both. Yeah. But um, so if we're looking at the hero's journey, mm-hmm. so remember that the the steps in the hero's journey can somewhat be rearranged. Like it doesn't have to be in the same order. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. All the time. Um, but it does always start with the ordinary world. So, of course, uh-huh. we do see Ray's ordinary world. Yeah. Um, so she, so then the next step is the call to adventure. So I am going to say that Ray's call to adventure is when she finds Anakin's lightsaber in Maz Kanata's castle. Sure. And she has the force vision. Uh Vision. Vision. I turned into Miranda Sings for a second. (laughs) Um, (laughs) she has the force vision and, um, Maz tells her, you know, about um 
the Jedi and she says like you have this quest to go on and then next step is refusal of the call which is very clear Ray says nope not doing it she runs away Mm -mm. she's like not for me and then of course she is captured by Kylo Ren yep and then a bunch of stuff happens um so I think this is where it's a little bit unclear. Crossing the threshold is something that always happens on a hero's journey. Yeah. There are several moments, I think, where Ray crosses a threshold. Yeah. Or maybe it's like a <laughs> gradual crossing of a threshold. Maybe. So um, so there's that initial journey when she initially leaves Jakku with Finn. Okay. And they meet Han and Chewie on the Millennium Falcon. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens there. Um, But I think a more kind of a metaphorical or symbolic threshold that she crosses is so is like right after she meets Luke at the end of The Force Awakens. So meeting the mentor is another important step in the hero's journey. So Mm -hmm. there's that. Mm -hmm. Um, But right after she meets Luke, she hands him the lightsaber and he throws the lightsaber over the cliff. Yeah. And I see that as like a symbolic crossing of a threshold because in that moment, Ray realizes that both both Luke and training to be a Jedi are not at all what she expected. So Interesting. she, had, she okay. had this idea that like she's going to find Luke Skywalker yep. and he's going to come and save the resistance. Yep. And that's not what happens yeah. at all. And so I think that is kind of that like realization is kind of a crossing of a threshold. Um, I love that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> um, the, the longest stage of the hero's journey is Mm -hmm. tests allies and enemies okay so this is really like really a big chunk of the force awakens is tests allies and enemies yep most of the last jedi is this for ray as well as i'd say like maybe the first what like first like 40 percent of the rise of skywalker okay tests allies and enemies sure. so when she's training with luke on octo when she's training with leia at mm-hmm. the beginning of rise of skywalker yeah um when she's you know when she confronts kylo ren when they fight the guards after snoke is killed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then kylo ren's uh, offer for you know her to join him that was a test yeah. Um, yep, yep. In, in ruling the galaxy, um, using the force to remove the rocks that were like piled up in the cave on crate to help the resistance escape. Yeah. Um, that was a big test. Um, the first part of the rise of Skywalker, when she goes with Finn and Poe <laughs> to find the MacGuffins. Uh huh. <laughs> to find, cause they have to find like the dagger and the yeah, wayfinder yeah, and yeah, it gets yeah. really convoluted. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> to find Palpatine. And then finally, we come to the stage approach to the inmost cave, which mm-hmm. is like quite literally <laughs> in an inmost for Ray. cave. She's con- yeah, in an inmost cave when she confronts Palpatine uh-huh. on Exegol. The ordeal is the next stage. So when, well, Kylo Ren, now Ben Solo, comes 
and they face Palpatine together. Yeah. The reward. So so the reward stage is also called like seizing the sword. Yep. So there's a little bit of a twist on this moment because at this point Ray and Ben are now on a hero's journey together. Yeah. Sure. So rather than seizing the sword, Ray passes a sword to Ben and they face the ordeal together. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then the next stage is resurrection. She has a literal resurrection because uh-huh. she uh-huh. dies. Uh-huh. And then, well, I think they said that like she wasn't all the way. <laughs> she's only mostly dead. She's only <laughs> like in the princess yeah. Um <laughs> And then um, Ben sacrifices himself to use force healing to revive her uh-huh. and then the final stage is return with the elixir so yeah. she returns to the resistance she buries the lightsabers on Tatooine which I still think doesn't really make sense yeah but it's okay it's fine I I, don't, I also didn't I just like yeah. why why Tatooine first of all yeah and why are you burying well, them it felt a little it bit weird it felt kind of childish it felt like I'm gonna put them under this sand, and so it's gone now. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. But I mean, for the the purposes of the hero's journey, yes. that is the yes. conclusion of her hero's journey. So, um, yeah, yeah. So long answer short, yes, the rise of Skywalker completes Ray's hero's journey over the course of all three movies. Okay. You're welcome. Yeah. So in our original episode. Of course, I touched on like that feminist reading of the hero's journey, the the whole concept of the heroine's journey, yeah, um, which uh, comes from Maureen Murdoch's um, her writings on the heroine's journey, kind of jumping off from Joseph Campbell's writings. Cool, um, but her theory is that. Um, Though women do take these hero's journey kind of quests, yeah, they look a little bit different than yeah than you know than when men do it. Sure. So, so we still have a call to adventure mm-hmm. in the heroine's quest cycle, um, but it looks different. So she theorizes that the call to adventure for a heroine is. A separation from the feminine, but like not necessarily like what we think of as feminine, but okay. like a separation from her, like her identity, like her okay, her f- identity as a woman, right, um, right, and then each stage throughout the quest is her inner journey to reconcile that, to reconcile her identity, okay, um. And we see that in Ray for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think especially in The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. all like most of The Last Jedi is about Ray's inner turmoil yeah. and her, her inner conflict trying to reconcile who she is with yeah. who she wants to be. Sure. Where she comes from, figuring out, you know, yeah, what what her identity is. Um and uh, I think um, I also mentioned that um, Jane Eyre is an early and kind of prime example of this 
heroine's journey reading of the hero's journey cycle. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, for Patreon members, you can listen to our commentary of the 2011 adaptation of Jane Eyre. It was really good. It was really good. Um, our commentary yeah. and the movie. Our commentary both. and the movie. Are both the really, good. really good. So, uh, yeah, I yeah. just really, really, I mean... I could talk about this for a really long time because there's so much, there's so much. Um, But I would, I would recommend again, um, the podcast, what the force, because she has done several episodes about the heroine's journey and kind of the mythic, um, the monomyth structure, um, especially within um, Ray's journey in light of like Joseph Campbell's writings on Maureen Murdoch. So yeah, go check that out. Super interesting it's really stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're, we'll talk a little bit more about this as well with girls with sabers. Yay. Which will release that interview um, as a bonus episode. So check that out as well. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's really good. Um, Check out all their Instagram and like their mm-hmm. content and everything. It's amazing. They're yeah. really putting out some amazing work. Really, um, really good. They're really cool. Um, yes. So I think that we, you know, like we were saying before, like what, what it, like why, the reason why we love Star Wars, why we connect with it so much mm-hmm. is the characters. Absolutely. We connect and relate to the characters. And yeah. I think that this, the hero's journey is like the, is kind of like what we're on a quest for our entire lives. Absolutely. Is, you know, to yeah. feel like the hero and to, to like, yeah reconcile our identity with absolutely (laughs) the internal and the external I really resonate with that especially like growing from female identifying child to female identifying adult and finding out what that means for me instead Mm -hmm. of like what I'm supposed to feel that that means you know so I thought that was a really cool part of the heroine's journey was that it's intrinsic you know it's like it's more internal than Mm -hmm. external which is just really cool. I I want to listen to What the Force. Yeah. Sounds awesome. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> um there are other aspects of Star Wars yeah. that speak to our identification with the characters. Absolutely. And kind of builds um those characters in kind of subliminal ways, kind of ways that you won't necessarily see until you've looked them up. And then you're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. That, that all um, is in keeping with, with the story. So the classic orchestrations on which John Williams has created for these films are at their heart character driven, which isn't Mm -hmm. something that I realized. Um, So the main characters obviously get their own theme music, which is pretty common. Um, A lot of, films do this Mm -hmm. but this link between character and music becomes more important to the story um and john williams creates theme music to represent characters relationships Mm -hmm. with one another so there's han and leia who receive theme music for their interactions which are used whenever they have important conversations or action together this is also true obviously of luke and leia um 
although their theme was created in 1983 and did not receive an update. Yeah. Whereas Han and Leia's theme music receives an update in 2006. Oh, really? It's different? Mm-hmm. And so it makes little changes, oh. um, which you could argue signify how that relationship changes and grows mm-hmm. as time goes on. Um, and Erin, is there a place where people can listen to There is. Music? We can't play it. Legality, unfortunately. we broke and we don't want to get Yeah, sued. unless, I think, yeah. Um, but the Spotify playlist um, for music referenced um, in this episode um, is... Well, we can. Be we'll put the our link. link. Yeah. yeah, we'll put the yeah, link yeah. on our blog post so you can listen. Just so you can know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and one I wanted to highlight um, Princess Leia's theme and how that obviously because we, I don't know if you can. We tell. are Princess Leia. <laughs> we we love her so. Um, it was really interesting to me that the first time I, I think a major thing with these. Uh, various character theme music um, is when they get played first mm-hmm. and that's really important so a lot of characters will have um, like a moment where they're specifically triumphant or specifically doing something that um, resonates with them or otherwise defines them and then it's interesting to me that the first time we hear Leia's official theme music which will follow her throughout the entire course of everything um, is in A New Hope, and it happens when she is captured Ooh. by Darth Vader. So that, um, yeah, other characters get that moment where they're, I don't know, crashing through the forest, uh-huh. and they've just defeated the big whatever thing. Um, or they're gazing at the twin sons of Tatooine. Yeah, somewhere peaceful where they're <laughs> thinking about how they've grown, whatever, whatever. But it's noticeable It's notable to me that Princess Leia's theme is heard when she is in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is really powerful for her growth as a character. But I also just... A big part of me wishes it were sometime when she right. was a little more triumphant. Um, yeah. So the other important piece about her theme music is that it's written in a triumphant major sixth interval. So major intervals are used in music when the chords must resolve. And there's you really have to listen to this mm-hmm. to, to really get it. But So listen to Princess Leia's theme music. And it, um, it resolves in a positive, triumphant way, which usually musically indicates it's a major interval. Because um, you just it just makes... The steps are, I don't want to get too music nerdy. Just listen to it. Um, and then it's important to note that the theme music, this is going to blow everyone's mind. What? The theme music Prepare for... to have your mind blown. Woohoo! Um, the theme music for Annika, Anakin and Padme's relationship is written in a minor six. Oh, I wonder why. Is that thematically <gasps> significant? It is is Rhonda because the two have a tragic relationship and are therefore given that minor key which has been historically reserved for melancholy music um and in this way we see that uh, mad may i'm trying to say in this way (laughs) we see that mad men don draper uh, (laughs) in this way we see that um padme and leia are musical foils of one another and again like I could spout some music theory stuff to you, but I don't think that would be as interesting as like going and listening to it and hearing the difference yet similarity in Mm -hmm. the two pieces. Um, 
And just, yeah, minor sixth versus major sixth, anyway. Um, and Leia's theme music is used as the root of other theme music, mm-hmm. um, specifically the Han Solo and the Princess theme. So this music represents the relationship between Han and Leia and is musically similar to Leia's theme. Um, there's also notably, as I mentioned, a Luke and Leia theme. Um, and these two are important because... Um, we as human beings, you know, I, I'm going to get a little psychological because you where I, I know no. <laughs> never. Um, obviously, in human relationships, um, we're also different in behavior in each pairing that we're involved in. Um, so we're also entirely different, obviously, when we are alone and only with ourselves. Um, so to have each character have their own theme music and then intertwine them with one another is an incredible way to tell those stories of Mm. how we change each other. Right. So different pairings will sound unique in the same way that conversation patterns differ depending on um, who you're speaking with in real life. Um, Additionally, is this real life? life? Sorry. Um, Additionally, uh, that was a little John Larson for (laughs) you. The rent, his original, anyway, um, the people we meet and form relationships with change who we are as people. Um, so it's only fitting that character theme music would change as well. Um, and these changes in the music are only slight. And the piece often returns to its root melody at the end um, or at some point in the um, orchestration. Mm-hmm. And this change signifies that the character retains their most intrinsic roots, meat and potatoes of who they are, mm-hmm. usually, while also growing or changing as time goes on and relationships build. Um, and I think this is reflected in these shifts in music. And John Williams um, really adds to the character development in this world. Um which kind of reminds me of my favorite pieces of musical theater will do this. Um, And then these original themes are played in the most recent movies as well, obviously. Leia's theme is played throughout the series when characters discuss her and when we see her making important decisions, as far in as when she's General Leia. Um, And then her theme music, this, I love this. Um, Her theme music also plays in television, television episodes of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. And... In the Star Wars Lego video game series. And this continuity deserves a gold medal because (laughs) I think, especially in Hollywood, when everyone wants to reinvent the wheel sometimes and Mm. you all want to tell the story the way you want to. So I don't think that you see a lot of sharing often in a world where, like, the creators of the Lego Star Wars could have decided, oh, we want it to sound like this. Uh I think it gets kind of, I think egos sometimes get in the way. Um, But we've been like joking all day that we're just going to watch Lego Star Wars. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, not even say anything. Just like, we're just discussing Lego Star Wars. Yeah. Um, Especially in like a video game series, you wouldn't normally see that continuity. It would be like just different enough to be not um, copyright infringement or anything in a lot of series. But I think just having that continuity across all platforms is incredible storytelling. And um, I'm just in awe of it. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's really cool. And one thing that, that I think is really cool is that, so Rogue One had a different composer. John Williams didn't compose the music for Rogue One. Sure. But the composer for Rogue One used some of John Williams's themes and cool. kind of wove them throughout so you can hear yeah um, 
echoes, which I think is really, really fitting because like Rogue One overall, well, and, and, you know, Solo as well. Like it's, it's not like it's Star Wars, but it's like a little different. Yeah. So the music is a little different, but it still has those themes woven throughout. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I like it. Yeah. I just love it when a creator can say, I'm going to ask to use this piece that's not my property, but that I really look up to or that I really like. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think, yeah, sometimes that's hard for, especially like musicians and writers. It can be hard to take someone else that like, to not just do your own thing sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's all that I had on the music. Um, Is it though? Oh, I forgot (laughs) my favorite person. Um, so Lin Manuel Miranda, I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, Wait, who? The guy who wrote the Hamilton what the Hamilton Jesus? musical? If you I thought he was the guy from Mary Poppins Returns. I mean he he's so oh, he's amazing. He's so good. He um <laughs> he updated some of the music in Star Wars. Um, he's kind of had his hand in a lot of pies. He's really cool. Everyone's kind of asking yeah, like him to work with them. His bank account has to be full now, I, right? right? And his and his wife's a scientist and lawyer. So, oh, so, they're, so they're good. They're they're um, set for life. And so, yeah, it's really it's kind of cool to have Lin Manuel Miranda writing. I'm forgetting what the place is called. My brain is on short circuit. Uh, what is the cantina? What's it called? Oh, in Maz Kanata's castle. That one. Yeah. That mm-hmm. piece of music. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think he also wrote a piece of music for, um, Rise of Skywalker. Cool. But I don't know what part it is. I think I read that too, but I can't remember. We did a lot of research for this yeah, and a been, lot of it is been preparing for this for a long time. For a long time. Um, and then I just had some notes that like, even I, I didn't even, I don't think wrote, write this down, but, um. I, as I've mentioned, I've never really like been a part of the Star Wars fandom, but even I know the theme music. Like it's all pervasive. Right. Yeah. It's, um like everyone knows. Yeah, like the you know like Darth Vader's theme. Yeah. Everyone knows like the main title theme. Absolutely. That's, you know, like Bill Murray had that whole song <laughs> about it. Yeah. It like, yeah, yeah. Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Oh no, we're gonna get sued. Um, oh no, <laughs> that um. It's so pervasive that Star Wars theme music was used um, in my music theory class to teach us um, different intervals. Mm-hmm. Like it's used, it's really well done. So um, I can't think of many other soundtracks that the orchestrations are this well known, you know? Right. Um, Maybe Jaws. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. There's Jaws. Um, I don't even. May, oh, maybe like some horror movie, but um, yeah, Jaws. yeah, yeah, Jaws, yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I don't maybe like maybe like that main theme from Harry Potter. I think that's pretty well. Sure, known. I played but it yeah. on the flute in like sixth grade nice. in band. Yeah, nice. That's solid. We got to be an advanced band, so Ooh. we got to play the Harry Potter theme. If you were in an advanced band, you, you were couldn't in, play the Harry You Potter can't sit with us. <laughs> we also played um, All Star by Smith. Smash, Smash Mouth. Mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, when in mm-hmm. my, let's see, 
in, I think it was my freshman year. So like Lord of the Rings was huge. And, um, we, yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And at the end of the year concert, (laughs) the band orchestra and all the choirs (laughs) combined to do like that, that one piece of music from the Lord of the Rings. That makes me so happy. Yeah. That makes my choir band nerd just like, yeah, (laughs) I just, I think of the teacher who planned that. (laughs) I'm so happy. (laughs) Oh, they must have been so thrilled. Uh, Um, Yeah, there was a, um, there was even an app where you can do the beginning, you know, like the, the really iconic beginning of each Star Wars, you know, how the Uh like, um, with the stars and the, um, kind of like the opening crawl. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. There's an app where you can add your own, um, text to that and I was going to use it in my classroom um mm. Star Wars is pervading everything pervading yeah. is not a word but I don't care um nothing so we're gonna take we're gonna fact check this fantasy world yeah now. we love it we wanted to put the stuff in it first that we were you know we loved and then mm-hmm. I think because we trace the roots of things, it is kind of fun to see um, all the things that are right. And then all the things that All maybe, the things that are fantasy. Yeah, which yeah. is fun, which is, you know, why we all like, you wouldn't want to be reading nonfiction all the time always. Well, maybe you would, but maybe I you would, but you're, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, um, I found a really awesome article that all the rest of my science stuff is going to be focused, is going to be based in, and it's called... Erin's a woman in STEM. I am. Hi. Um, it's called Astronomers Discuss Everything Star Wars Gets Right and Wrong About Science. So yes. as we look at Star Wars, um, I was really interested to see if there are any scientific advancements that have occurred in the time since the films began that make elements of Star Wars more realistic in our present day. Um, and so I found this really great article by Jamie Tracy um, in Outer Places, which is an online hub for all things science. Look it up. It's pretty cool. Um, and while there are some obvious liberties being taken with Star Wars, there's no <laughs> sound in space. Uh-huh. There's no gravity in space. So the battle scenes would not leave spaceships lurking, lurching uh-huh. upward and downward. Well, also, since there's no oxygen in space, mm-hmm. like the explosions wouldn't be like fire. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there were a few discrepancies that I found really interesting and then a few things which in 2020 are becoming more and more realistic all the time. Just now when I said 2020, I was like, that's not the year you're lying. It's it's the year you guys. So, um, firstly, I was really interested in Tracy's observation that an object in motion, we all know, repeat it for me for the class, um, an object in motion will stay. Didn't Fig Newton say something about this? Fig Newtons are so good. Mm. I want one right now. Um, So an object in motion will stay in motion. Um, And in space, that's true as long as they are going to be continuing on in the direction they were going. And so the decision to change course or switch direction in space, um, Tracy observes, would take immense amounts of fuel and it would take a very long time to do um because so, you're like reversing the laws of physics basically absolutely so 
when we, um, the article goes on to talk about when we see these really wonderful battle scenes, when they're already mid battle, <laughs> they <laughs> would not have. You could not have enough fuel to change course. Sure. Or when they're going to one destination and decide to change, they would have to dock somewhere. Or they'd have to like orbit or like slingshot around a planet. Yeah. Like in the Martian. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. You can't just switch. Um, And so this article also raises the issue um, that characters like Han Solo, um, as he maneuvers through the asteroid Belt in Hoth. Um, oh, not this article. The next article. Sorry. <laughs> oh, wait. Fun story. Yeah. When I was in like eighth grade, um, my in my science class, we um, we did a group project about asteroids, and so I brought in our VHS of The Empire Strikes Back oh. and showed the scene oh. where they go into the asteroid belt. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> and like everyone else in my class was like, what? That's amazing. It was fun. See, we've been prepping for this episode. My entire life. Since that day. (laughs) Gosh, yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, So my second source um, was was Rhonda. And my third source was (laughs) a book called Science Versus Cinema by um, Andy Howell. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, I really, I found like mentions of it on the internet and I would love to like actually read the whole thing because it sounds really interesting um if you want to destroy the magic of fiction <laughs> like I clearly did um so Howell um notes that in an asteroid belt the asteroids are far enough away from each other that Han Solo would have had no problem at all getting through the asteroid belt Unless, of course, the asteroids on Hoth are different from the ones we have in our galaxy. Mm. So he says, um, technically, the asteroids could be that close to together, but the humans who drive the spaceships wouldn't exist yet. When debris is that close together in space, it's an indication that the planet formation is occurring. And therefore, the creatures who fought in the Star Wars wouldn't have evolved yet. Unless they're from a different planet, though. Sure. Yeah, unless maybe he meant that, like, living conditions, you'd have to be, like, far enough away, you know? Like, uh-huh. yeah. Um, so I, I just found that really interesting about, like, how planets are formed. Um, but again, asteroids could be different on Hoth. I don't want to ruin anyone's fun, so I'm going to go to the fun stuff. Um, the aspects <laughs> of Star Wars which are closer to fact than fiction. So one example um, is the planet of Tatooine. We see properties of this planet which could certainly exist. There are rumored to be planets out there with two moons and other, many of them. Jupiter has lots of moons. Yeah, so many of well, them. Well, but I wonder, though, like how it would work to have a planet with two suns. Right. Like it, it, it would have to be orbiting two different stars. Right. Yeah. Interesting. It looked really cool, though. Yeah, it does. And then... My very favorite thing that I found <laughs> is, you guys, proton torpedoes really exist. What? Yeah. So there are smaller scale proton torpedoes, which work the same way that larger scale machines do in the movies. And the really amazing, amazing, amazing thing is that this form of technology, which we have today, is being used to fight and cure cancer. 
Really? Specifically um, in children. And so the proton beam um, that's being used is zeroing, zeroing in on the tumor in the body. And because it is so exact, it can focus on the tumor and leave the healthy cells alone. Wow. So a lot of times when you're fighting cancer, you have to also harm your healthy cells. Uh-huh. Um, but with proton torpedoes, for lack of a better, that's what the article was telling lasers, me. Lasers. Yeah. Lasers. Kind of. Pew, pew, pew. I don't, I don't pew, know. Pew. Um, I certainly don't mean to make this sound light, but it is what it was called in the article I read. So, um, I mean, lasers are made of light. So, so it could, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Maybe What's if you're curing childhood cancer, you want to make it a little light. Yeah, like Patch children. Adams. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Robin so. Williams. <laughs> oh, I love that man. So the proton beam here is the same, but much smaller than the ones we see in the films. But doing a much okay. more important job, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe like in the Star Wars universe, that's where it started. It's because Uh like they were developing medical technology and then they were like, hey, we can use this. Sure. To have our space battles. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to end my little science (laughs) section on my happy point because I I felt kind of bad ripping apart the science (laughs) of Star Wars but I also couldn't talk about these films without talking about yeah the universe of course well you know we have to I think it's imperative that we fact check fantasy worlds dang it I know we (laughs) that is and then not realistic so then do we have to stop fact checking nonfiction? Do we just write whatever we want to? Yeah. Yeah. It's all based on perception. So. Yeah, okay. totally. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, well, I'm going to continue this fact checking here. And Yay. we're going to talk about space Nazis. Um, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. We're going to talk about the politics in Star Wars. I'm so glad that you are because it's always confused me. It, yes. I have no idea. I'm still confused. <laughs> Quite honestly. So I, <laughs> I, um, okay. So the best quote in all of the prequel trilogy, uh-huh. um, is said by Senator Padme Amidala uh-huh. when Palpatine ascends to his, you know, his place of like, unchecked power over the galaxy and she says so this is how liberty dies to thunderous applause that's a a really good quote so good Mm -hmm. um yeah so when i (laughs) when i started researching the politics in star wars i initially wanted to draw parallels between the that moment with the Galactic Republic becoming the Galactic Empire yeah. in the prequels and the and ancient Rome and the Roman Republic becoming the Roman Empire. Yeah, um, sure. Because I thought that would be a really clear uh-huh. you know, place to go with it. I mean, like Attack of the Clones has a whole scene with gladiator games. So like, yeah, obviously, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but as I like started to look more into it, uh-huh. I, I like started to th- not think that that would be such an easy comparison okay. to draw because 
Honestly, I kind of got distracted by just how bananas <laughs> the politics are in Star Wars. Yeah. So I had to ask the question, how does the Galactic Senate even work? I have always it's wondered. It's not clear. Who knows? <laughs> so Who knows? Okay. Rhonda knows. She's going to tell us. <laughs> I, well, I tried. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty much a mess. Um <laughs> Isn't all politics kind of Yeah, but on, okay, so honestly, it's really, really, so there are parts of, there are parts of it that are very specific and they tell us, Mm -hmm. but most of it, it's very vague. It is not clear at all how this government works. So we know (laughs) that there are senators. Yes, certainly. and And the senators represent different planets or groups of planets sometimes. Yep. But then there are also senators who represent, like, different government organizations yeah. or agencies. Mm-hmm. It would be like if, I don't know, like, if the National Park Service had a senator that right. represented them. Right, right. Like, what? what? Huh? What's going on there? Um, we, yeah, it's, it's odd. Um, so if you're just watching the movies, you wouldn't you would think that there don't seem to be any political parties or factions. Um, I, right. As I was looking into this, mm-hmm. I found information about like there are actually like yeah. in, in extended universe material, it does get into different parties and factions. Okay. So I, f- I found a video that I will link to. Cool. That explains those. Um, but then we also don't see like any other chambers or governmental bodies yeah we only see the senate like we don't know is there yeah. like some other chamber uh-huh, uh-huh. or is it yeah we don't know um yeah <laughs> yeah um oh so uh i think uh we can look at naboo as an example because okay. that's the the one that we see the most of at least yeah. in the prequels um so naboo elects its queen democratically sure um, and I actually, so in the book that I read yeah. uh, for a book club, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Queen's Shadow, uh-huh. um, it, I actually learned a lot about Naboo's government from that book. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so Naboo elects its queen for a term of two years, and then um, she can, uh, I don't know if it ever says if they've ever elected a king or if they always Interesting. Elect, yeah. Okay. So I don't know if there's like a law that only a woman can be mm-hmm. ruler, which like... If so, like, yeah, good for her. Yeah, but um, <laughs> does it say anything about term limit? Yeah, so she can. So her term is two years, and then she can run again. Okay, so she can be queen for four years. Okay, but then after that, I okay. think I think that's the term limit. I don't think. Okay, I don't remember if they said that like nobody's ever gone more than four years, or if they actually have a law against it. But yeah, anyway, yeah. So yeah, so two years. Um, and four years total. Um, so yeah, Naboo elects their queen, but then the queen appoints the senators oh. who represent Naboo in the Galactic Senate. Okay. Which is really weird. I don't right? like that. Yeah. It would be like if a state governor and like nope. appointed mm-hmm. or. No, that's yeah, terrible. That's weird. That's awful. Um, so the queen is not a member of the Galactic Senate because. Oh, Naboo sends yeah. senators. Yeah. But she can speak before the Galactic Senate. Okay. Which, like, that's 
you know, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Like a, a U.S., you know, like a, a governor going before the U.S. Senate and speaking. Like, sure. I think that's happened before. Yeah. But not only can she speak before the Senate, but she can actually put motions forward okay. for the Senate to vote on. Okay. Which seems odd. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because she's not part of that governing body. Um <laughs> And how and do checks actually, and balances work? Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> she actually, because Amidala actually, like, puts forward the vote of no confidence in the chancellor of the Senate. Yeah, yeah, In yeah. episode one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how does she have the authority to do that? Right, right. That's interesting. Um. So, yeah. So, I was just kind of spitballing here. But I said, so this is like if a governor of a U.S. state, so say like the governor of Washington, yeah. went to like the U.S. House of Representatives to speak before them and then was like, I move to remove the Speaker of the House. Like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that, hmm, yes. Okay. So it's interesting to point out. So um, uh, there's an article from NPR. Yeah. I think it was also... Um, a, a segment on you know, a radio segment. I love that. Where they talked about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so they interviewed um, uh, a, a political science um, professor, Seth Maskett. Cool. Um, and so he's talking about, you know, this government. He says, this is allegedly a government that's been in power either a thousand years or a thousand generations. And it's hard to imagine that government lasting even a thousand days (laughs) with those kinds of rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is actually, they do say it's been a thousand generations, okay? Okay. That this has lasted. Mm -hmm. Which, okay, if a generation is, we'll say a generation is 30 years. Yeah. 30,000 years? Yeah. That's longer than human history. Okay, (laughs) so. (laughs) Yeah. So I was curious about this. I think maybe a thousand years sounds a little more realistic. Sure. But I was curious about this. Um, the longest lasting, like, continuous governments or states in Ooh, human history. Interesting. So I looked yeah, yeah. it up. <laughs> so the longest lasting yeah. was um, 1,850 years. Okay. And that was the Pandyan Empire in southern India. Okay. Okay. Um, so it lasted from... Uh, Oh, I didn't put what years they lasted, but I think it ended around like the 1300s AD. Okay. So it lasted a really long time. Yeah. Um, the second longest was the Byzantine Empire, which was yep. <laughs> about 1100 years. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yep, yep. <laughs> because, you know, it it wasn't like completely consistent for that entire 1100 yeah, years. Yeah, so I don't yeah. know if it even counts. Um, and then the third is... Um, not an empire, but a kingdom okay. called Silla, which was in present day Korea. And that lasted about 990 years. So okay. like human, you know, earth governments can last around a thousand years or so. So yeah. it's not unheard of. Um, but by comparison, the so it's important to note these are, you know, kingdoms and empires. So they're monarchies. Yeah. But but in Star Wars, this Galactic Republic uh-huh. has lasted for, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say a thousand <laughs> years, not a thousand generations. Um, yeah. But for comparison, the Roman Republic uh-huh. is, I think, the longest lasting yeah, republic in human so history. That only lasted about 500 years. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. So, 
Yeah. I just, I'd, yeah, let's fact check this fantasy world. So <laughs> I think this is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So I have, um, like I mentioned, I have like some videos that mm-hmm. I will link to. Um, there's the one about the political parties and factions in Star Wars. Cool. I also found a couple of really cool ones that um, take like different um, political um, bodies or yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or factions in yeah. Star Wars and kind of place them where they would be in like U.S. politics. Interesting. Like how they would fit in with U.S. politics. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one for the Galactic Empire and one mm-hmm. for the Separatist Alliance. And then this really cool video <laughs> from Lindsay Ellis where she looks at the ideology of the First Order in, uh-huh. in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Because um, if you watch the video, you'll you'll see. But she kind of like comes to the conclusion that like we don't really know what their ideology is because mm-hmm. they don't really say right like we know that they want to like destroy planets but like right. why <laughs> right yeah um <laughs> why why because <laughs> it's the doing? star wars <laughs> um yeah but but in that video it's really interesting she goes into kind of like the um I guess like the imagery of the like okay. the yeah. the aesthetics of the first order and how it's very clearly um well it's calling back to the Galactic Empire in the original trilogy. Yeah. But it's also very intentionally um the the Empire very intentionally evokes the Third Reich in Germany. Yeah. Um, sure. And well specifically um, the propaganda of the Third Reich that that America is familiar with. Yeah. Um, and she she also talks about, um, you know, when um, when A New Hope came out in the 70s, it was, you know, like just over 30 years after the fall of the Third Reich. And so. Wow. Yeah. That's weird to think about. Like, that's so weird. Like the, you know, A New Hope release date is closer to the fall of the third reich than we are to a new hope's release date that's isn't that weird (laughs) oh my god um so like she like pointed that out to um just kind of uh bring to light that the the nazi party was within living memory of a lot of people yeah when star wars first came out sure and sure. so it was a very clear, um, you know, a very clear uh, parallel yeah. to that, um, which is really interesting. Yeah. Really fascinating. Um, so, and there is actually, um, there's an article on on StarWars.com that talks about <laughs> <laughs> that very, that very intentional um like maybe not in ideology, but just in imagery, yeah. that intentional um, evoking of that, um, yeah. of that aesthetic, um, and and that's called "From World War to Star Wars: Rise of an Empire," Ooh. which is also really cool, yeah. um, cool article to check out that we'll link as well. Yeah. Um, and then I found another article that um, 
talks more about the the politics in the prequels. Yeah. Paralleling. Is that even a is that a verb? Can I use parallel yeah, as a verb? Absolutely. Um <laughs> absolutely with with um with our world. Um so this was I don't agree with this title, but the title of the article <laughs> was The Star Wars Prequels Are Bad and Insightful About American Politics. Okay. <laughs> know where she stands. This is written really by goes for broke. Right. First. This is written by um, Emily Todd Vanderwerf for Vox. Okay. Um, and so she talks about that parallel um, in the original trilogy. Yeah. And she says, Lucas parallels the Empire's rise in the prequels with the Nazi party's rise in Germany. Sure. They are tapped into something raw and real about how often seemingly stable societies collapse into fascism, into revolution, into political upheaval. I probably don't have to connect too many dots between what's happened in the U.S. in the wake of 9-11, the economic collapse of 2008, and the presidential election of 2016 before you can see that, yeah, the Star Wars prequels eerily illustrate how tyranny can rise when good people do nothing. I'd stop short of calling the films some sort of communist or socialist manifesto, (laughs) but Lucas, an old lefty, (laughs) surely wouldn't mind a Marxist reading of them. Interesting. Yeah. So I'll link that article as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, The article goes on to explore um, how the prequels kind of dip their toe into exploring some social justice issues. Sure. So we, and I think this maybe wasn't as intentional, but it's in there. <laughs> um, so Anakin in episode one is, he's a little boy. Yeah. Um, and he is enslaved on Tatooine. Sure. He's spent his formative years in captivity, being exploited and oppressed. Um, and then when he gets a chance to leave with the Jedi for a better life, he has to leave his mother and his entire community behind. They are all still enslaved. They are all still oppressed. Yeah. Um, And Qui-Gon, for being the hero of the movie, he seems barely sympathetic about this. Sure, sure, sure. And then when he takes Anakin to the Jedi Council, they aren't sympathetic either. Yeah. They sense his turmoil, Mm -hmm. um, his fear for his mother's safety, and his guilt over leaving her behind. Yeah understandable emotions. Of course, yeah. Um, But the council, especially Yoda and Mace Windu, they tell him to cut off those emotions and to let go of that attachment. Yeah. You know, the things that make us human. Yeah. Um, They really express no empathy Uh for his own sadness or for the people that he's had to leave behind. And they're saying that he shouldn't feel for that either he's painted as an overly like sensitive guy like yeah yeah but, like he's a nine-year-old boy absolutely who yeah. has had a traumatic childhood yeah and has just been separated absolutely from everything he's ever known yeah and he's supposed to be okay with that right supposed to just be fine has yeah. shut off his emotions which is what the jedi do yeah sure so which i mean there's a whole conversation we can yeah we can uh uh-huh yeah um so in reference to the 
Jedi Council and by extension, the Republic, um, you know, kind of the elite of the Republic, their apparent apathy toward the emotions and the plight and suffering of the people, mm-hmm. particularly the people who are enslaved on Tatooine. Yeah. Um, the pre- the article goes on to say that the prequel films seem to have something to say about what it means to live in a world where the gap between the haves and the have-nots grows a little wider with every second. Right. And where the ruthless exploit that gap to drum up mm-hmm. fear and seize power for themselves. Yeah. Um, and then The Last Jedi, interestingly, mm-hmm. explored this idea further with Finn and Rose's mission to Canto Bight, which is the casino planet where we see the rich and privileged elites that are living in, you know, luxury yeah. um, and using slave labor to produce the capital right. that enables this lifestyle. Right. And it's interesting to note that every iteration of galactic government, of like galaxy-wide government. Yeah. So we saw it in the Old Republic. Uh-huh. It was in the Empire, the New Republic, and during the reign of the First Order, every iteration has tolerated the existence of slavery. Yep. Throughout yep. the galaxy. Um, it's, I think it's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to like make this grand sweeping statement or anything. But I think it would be impossible to get to a place of that much consolidated power whether it's a republic or, you know, a a dictatorship. Yeah. To have that much consolidated political power would be impossible unless there were people somewhere yeah. being oppressed and exploited. Absolutely. So yeah. the Empire's bad, the Republic is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah. And that's and that's my story, and I'm sticking She's to it. Sticking to it, and I'm supporting it. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> um, there, I there's also this video, um, called Darth Trump that has <laughs> <laughs> that has taken clips from Star Wars of Darth Vader and put in the audio uh, from <laughs> Donald Trump. So. Oh, we'll link that no. and you can watch it. I'm not making a political statement here. I'm just no, saying this no, video exists no, and just, you can watch it. So <laughs> what do the youth say? I'm just going to leave this here. Just going to leave, gonna this, leave right this here. here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Aaron. <laughs> well, should I lighten tell up the about mood? Droids. I'm going to tell you about droids. Um, so the languages in Star Wars are fascinating to me um, just as a jumping off point. But um, they're also fascinating um, just in so many different ways. Um, And not only because there are so many of them um, that are different and fully formed throughout the saga, but also in the ways that that language was developed um, and specifically how that like languages that are not given to us that we can't understand we're not going to understand what they're saying we're just gonna our brain is going to register that it's a made-up language for this um so what's important in telling this um and conveying that these are in fact languages (laughs) is making that um 
the delivery similar to something that we would hear sure um from a language that is having like intonation and like clear yeah absolutely so um how would they do that with a bunch of languages um well the short the short answer is that they hire comedians Mm -hmm. to um voice these characters so for BB-8, um, the speech patterns of his little beeps were developed through several recording sessions with Mr. Ben Schwartz, <laughs> a.k.a. Jean Ralphio of Parks and Rec, which we're watching right now. Um, so they recorded just a bank of lines, kind of the same way you would do like a video game recording session or like a animated series um and they gave him phrases and at the time he talks about this on my favorite podcast of all time comedy bang bang he talks about how he recorded is that your favorite uh, yeah well you haven't you haven't seen it live have you i cried anyway (laughs) um so scott ackerman is lovely so on it ben schwartz talks about how they actually had him record like a bunch of um lines and then they tried to put it through different like sound machines to make it sound just distorted or to make it sound vaguely um similar to to like english but then have it be starkly different and then it just did not work Uh um which i agree it wouldn't have worked humans don't sound like robots no no and it doesn't it's never going to sound that different to seem important like an important distinction. Um, anyway, so um, they used those um, initial lines and his, they had him do several different inflections and deliveries. He's a very funny guy. So they had him do it in a bunch of different characters um, and say it a bunch of different ways. And then they used those speech patterns um, and paired them with the beeps that we hear, the beeps and the boops. Um and created what we hear BB-8 mm. do now. Um, Delightful. And I just thought that that was a really fascinating process. And I thought it was really funny that Ben Schwartz was like, yeah, they cut all my lines, but I got to be part of uh-huh. Star Wars. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was amazing. <laughs> I don't mind at all. Um, and then the same was done. They had Bill Hader in there as well. They tried during, it twice. Yeah, they had him um, for a really long time. <laughs> I think they worked on it for the better part of like a year, and it just never worked. Hmm. Um, kind of sad. Yeah, kind of sad. I really. Um, and then obviously you see Horatio Sands and in the Brian Posehn in the Mandalorian and, and Werner Herzog. And- <laughs> And Werner Herzog. And uh, Taika Waititi is the voice of uh, IG-11. Oh, my gosh. The droid. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really, really cool. Um, so I just really like um, kind of the way that the Star Wars franchise made these, these comedians' dreams come true from right. when they were like little kids. Right. And they were like, yeah, I was a bit part, but it was the freaking Star Wars. <laughs> and I think Ben Schwartz was also in it as a, um, the, oh my gosh, the, hmm? the white okay? suits. I can't remember what Storm they're troopers? called. Yes. Lot, well, lots of, <laughs> People have been stormtroopers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Daniel Craig is the stormtrooper in The Force Awakens, who uh, <laughs> who Ray like Jedi mind tricks. Oh, funny. And then um, uh, uh, Prince William and Prince Harry <laughs> were stormtroopers, but they had to. Uh, this is funny. They had to cut 
their scene out because they were like half a head taller than all the other (laughs) stormtroopers. Of course. Oh, that's funny. Because they're like, you know, 6'2", I think. Right, right. Um, Yeah, I just, I think it's really fun to see um, how... That's just like really Star loving. Wars. Yeah. Star Wars is our culture now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Baby Yoda is our leader. Oh, baby Yoda. And everything is Star Wars. Yeah. So And we're fine with that. And we're we're okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So much so that we know exactly which Star Wars characters we are. We do, and you could too for the low, and low price of zero dollars. Zero dollars, <laughs> and we also know which Star Wars characters are our soulmates. <laughs> Unfortunately for me, <laughs> and fortunately for me, <laughs> um, hey fan, yeah, we're trying. <laughs> we're trying to. We're uh, hopefully we can post. We'd recorded like an adorable video of us taking that quiz and that'll be on our patreon page so yeah um but um Aaron, which original trilogy character are you i'm chewbacca which oh, that's is just perfect. true i feel like you are <laughs> if any of them who who are you Rhonda? i was i was luke okay in the original okay. trilogy, which he's okay. like super like well i mean in a new hope at least he's kind of like it's just like whiny and kind of an I idiot. S- I still think you're Leia, but okay, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then in the prequels, there's so there we took three different quizzes. It was which yep. original trilogy character are you? Uh-huh. Which prequel trilogy character uh-huh. are you? And which sequel trilogy character are you? So, yeah. In the prequels, I am Mace Windu. <laughs> All right. All right, sure. And I, I'm Yoda. Obviously. So we're on the Jedi Council together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> and and then for the sequels, this the only result of any of these that I accept at all. Uh huh. Is the one for the sequel trilogy? Who'd you get? Who did you get? We you guys we got we the both same got one. General Leia. Because we're generally like Leia. Yes, indeed. I I think I'm Chewbacca all the way. All the way. Because you're just done with everything. I'm done with everything. <laughs> I make the noise that he makes at my cat. And he looks at me like, why do you know how to speak that? Like, the first I had had him for only a short period of time. And he was like, like, you know, cats do. He was yelling at me for food or something. And so I made a wookie noise back at him. And he looked at me like, Oh, I didn't know that you understood me. Oh my goodness. I'm so worried now that I've been saying all this rude stuff to you and you've understood. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Chewbacca. You're Chewbacca. 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 I would carry BB-8 onto the plane. I sure would. Onto the plane. Onto the plane. Mm-hmm. Do you have your, your Sky Mall magazine? Obviously. With, with your BB-8. I love Sky Mall. <laughs> and you love reading that article about Doris Roberts and where she likes to eat when she's in Phoenix. Obviously. And all of the <laughs> extremely high priced like little platters of hummus and like crappy yes. chips I can have. Yeah. And the little bag of pretzels. Mm-hmm, which now cost money. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there Star Wars. Go. There we go. I loved um, prepping this episode. <laughs> yes. I thought... Twas a delight. 
Um, yeah. What else do we need people to know? Well, we have um, a panel coming up at we Nerd do, Fair. Which, by the time you're hearing this, it'll like yeah. be like a week away. Okay. But, but they're selling tickets at the door. Yeah. And I if think. you're anywhere near yeah. Linwood, Washington. Come see us. Um... Patreon, we have Patreon. We're, we're gonna have stuff up on Patreon. We yeah. have our Jane Eyre commentary. Yeah, um, we have a dramatic reading from Much to Do About Nothing. Yeah, we have. We'll have our video of us <laughs> taking the quiz to find out who is our Star Wars soulmate. And then, and then, um, well, I don't know if it's going to be on. We might put it up on Patreon as well, yeah, but we're, yeah, yeah. we'll definitely release uh, that bonus interview with Girls with Sabres, yeah. and you should check that out. We really, I think, respect the work that we're, that they're doing, yes. um, and so it was really exciting to get to partner with them. So be, we'll, we'll talk about it when it um, is all ready, and yeah, yeah I guess that's... Should we say our next, our next Should episode? we say our next one? Yeah, let's, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you, Rhonda, have you ever felt like you were living the same day? Yes. Like over and over and over um, and over? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah. Like every week. Yeah, right? Adulting, am I right? Oh. Um, so next month, I don't try to say week, but that's Next not month. Right. <laughs> next month, we're doing... The Amy Poehler joint. Russian doll. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. It's going to be really interesting, I think. Yeah. If only because it's like a newer work. Totally. So, and it's kind of a smaller work, too. Like, it doesn't have a huge fan base like Star Wars. Sure. Or a Christmas Prince. So, and I think it's sometimes fun. We've talked a lot about kind of older works and where they have their foundations. And then mm-hmm. it'll be really fun to see what the foundations of a newer work are right. and to see if there's any overlap with the um, with foundations from other yeah. episodes. I yeah. think it'll be really, really interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I really respect Amy Poehler as a producer and yes, as a creator, too. And absolutely. I think she makes some pretty cool things. And they're never... I don't I don't think that much of um her projects are very like predictable. I think yeah. it's exciting to see the She's had a really turns. diverse yeah, totally. body of work. So yeah. and Natasha Leone's wonderful. Yes. She's um, fantastic. We're yeah. we're going to talk about it. Woo-hoo! So yeah, okay. be on the lookout for that. Yeah. And um yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else we need to say? Um Oh, we're going to also on our Patreon have a commentary on a Disney movie. Oh, yes. That will match. go along with our uh, bon- bonus episode. Yeah. On Disney princesses. So, so there's, there's a bunch of stuff on Patreon. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. some stuff that's free. There's some stuff that, yeah. you know, is, you know, at the $3 a month level or whatever. Hey. So, yeah. So, yeah. Check it out. Thanks so much for letting us do this, you guys. We, we love it. And thank you for listening. And may the force be with you. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye.